The Space Case Sarah Show with space nerds Kobe and Benjamin. Who is Space Case Sarah? Spunky, edgy, smart, funny, and a rebel feminist. Now, witness it yourself on iRock Space Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. I cannot lie, this is this is this is the episode. This is this is a good, um, a very good element. I think it's everyone's favorite element. And this is the carbon episode. Carbon. Carbon. And if you listen to this station often, you will hear a band that occasionally plays on this station called Carbon Based Lifeforms. It's one of my favorite, like, spacey kind of uh, different, like, spacey feel bands, band kind of people. Anyway, and um, that's one of the cool things about being in an independent station like this is that we can suggest music to the radio station and if they like it they'll buy the license to it and put it on so if you have like a space suggestion of music that is like spacey themed or maybe it has mm-hmm. space lyrics in it uh drop us a line and we'll see if we can Please get it on the air for you um but today is carbon carbon and carbon is um you know famously Everything. the building blocks of life so i'm gonna let my space nerds take over here because you guys are the you're the facts and the and uh, I want you to drop all the carbon nerddom on me because I am actually is it kind of like I feel like it's this is like the pumpkin spice of elements like of course everybody likes like it's so basic right like, <laughs> like like of course you like carbon but I kind right. of do I really do like carbon can we talk about carbon I would sure. like to have it on I the record that I do not much. like pumpkin spice. <gasps> well, oh. I mean, but so. I don't think I've like had pumpkin thing, spice. You know, carbon's kind of a thing. Okay, carbon's probably more inescapable than pumpkin spice. So you're just going to have to deal sure. with it. Yes. Yeah. Carbon <laughs> and the eventual heat death of the universe are two things that are inescapable. <laughs> wow. wow. All right. Well, well Wait, let's go. I mean, bring carbon it down, is Tommy. from death, yeah. too, right? Carbon. All right, let's start yeah. this episode over. Okay. Carbon, let's I mean, do the, it. The, the, great, the great thing about carbon and the reason why it's so prevalent all across the universe, uh, or at least as far as we can tell, all across different forms of life uh, on Earth, is that it has this really unique ability to bond with um, four other atoms. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, depending on where atoms sit in the periodic table from left to right, um, that kind of tells you how many uh, what's called valence electrons there are. It's basically, you know, atoms are meant to be neutral. And then depending on where they are, they'll have a couple of electrons along the outside that aren't part of this neutrality, you know, between the positive stuff in the middle and the other electrons. And so the more valence electrons you have, um, the, the the more you can bond with things, right? And so carbon can... models are like, <laughs> like flashing across my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm just picturing the models from like, intro to chemistry for physicists which is they've dumbed down for the physicists um and so yeah so 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 carbon's really unique in that way that it can bond with four different things with these valence electrons and even though the other elements in that column like silicon can also do it it can't Mm -hmm. do it as well so like yeah there could definitely be other forms of life out there in the universe that are maybe silicon based or based on other uh atoms but carbon is 
um, the, the most stable. It's what we know. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> and it seems to be uh, everywhere from, you know, our DNA to uh, the energy that our body uses to run to, you know, all the building blocks of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. There's it's, a big hunk of carbon on my wife's finger, too. <laughs> oh, um, this is kind of a, a weird, I don't know, commentary, but I, I think about, you know, carbon when we burn things and the, the remnants left over is that carbon. And it's, it, um, you know, obviously early humans didn't know that that was carbon, but there's something so cool about that transfer of energy. And so when I go camping, I know this sounds so lame, It's but bear with me. I always throw a little bit of food into the fire as like my homage to like humans knowing how to burn, how to capture the, the fire of energy. And it allowed us to build our big brains and evolve into what we are today. And so it all kind of ties into that carbon and, and fire and, and the wood. And I don't know, really nerdy. Anyway, moving That's on. Cool. So Benjamin carbon. Yeah. Yes, it's like my, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a spiritual person. If you, you know me and I, I'm not, um, into any of that kind of stuff but for some reason that's like my homage to just like like thank you to our evolutionary past for harnessing the power of fire to you know essentially build our brains to be able to learn how to build rockets to fire up and send people to the moon you know there's that connecting thread in that fire and energy um benjamin you also are a big fan of carmen i am carbon you are carbon. You're made out of carbon. And what's that classic <laughs> quote right that where you know carbon in your apple pie or something like that, right? Oh, he had that quote like, "If you want to build an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe," <laughs> which is which Calcium is a great in our quote. Bones and, and our DNA, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes it from really exploding stars. Everything comes from exploding stars. It did. So, what do you know about carbon? Drop some knowledge. Uh, what do you want? Drop to talk some about? knowledge. Uh, it, 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 it's. I was going to mention what Kavi said about the uh, silicon being able to have the same four bonds that uh, carbon can, and in theory, it's possible that there are silicon-based life forms out there, but uh, there's none that we can find here as an example. But uh, astrobiologists have not, you know, written it out of the equation altogether. They just know that it's it's a possibility. Um, as Carl Sagan himself said, we're, we're, uh, what was it? We're carbon chauvinists. We, we, we look for what we know because that's yes. what we are and it makes sense. But, um, you know, as far as thinking, you know, life can only ex- exist made of certain elements living in certain conditions, um, just on our own planet, we've proven that wrong several times, like in the, in the most harshest places, next to volcanic vents deep down in the blackness of the bottom of the ocean. There's creatures that are living great, eating sulfur. And there are uh, other creatures living in the coldest of cold, darkest of dark depths of horrible caves that are just, they're fine. That's their universe. But Mm -hmm. one thing they all have in common, at least so we've seen so far, is Mm carbon-based. So (laughs) the fact that they can live anywhere also gives a chance that they could possibly somewhere be made out of something else but it's so far just, nothing that we've seen astrobiology 101 right it makes mm-hmm. me so freaking excited <laughs> which is what we're kind of we we knew this was going to be a carbon episode so we were like we need to talk about life and the phenomena of life in the universe which is what 
astrobiology is because we kind of joked a lot and said, and we said, this is going to be the alien episode, but astrobiology is actually the study of the phenomena of life here to better understand how it might be happening in the universe. And so to your point about, you know, hydrothermal vents and there's life down there eating chemicals to stay alive, but they still have that common thread of carbon, which is very, um, very interesting because, you know, we knew that plants use photosynthesis. We eat plants to get our energy, but they're eating off the sulfur, which is chemiosynthesis is just mind blowing, but they still have carbon. And so, uh, so we're going to do this episode on carbon, but kind of bouncing off of that, it's going to be an episode about life and the, the messages we've sent out into space to try to contact life. Um, we're also doing this episode in honor of the passing of Frank Drake, who is a legendary astrobiologist. He really made, along with Carl Sagan, that field turn into sort of a legitimate study and not just a hokey kind of oh, UFOs, tinfoil. And I, I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that we will all live to a day where like there's, you know, biology, but then there's microbiology. I believe that there will be classes in universities that are focused on astrobiology someday. And I really believe that that will happen in our lifetime because we will, whether it's going to Venus and finding that there are microorganisms in the cloud decks or that perseverance does have something interesting in her core samples. I think that there will be something that will validate the field of astrobiology to the point that it will be a course within university study. So that is sort of my big dream, hope, wish. And um, I'm, I'm stealing it off of Frank Drake and Carl Sagan and the people who paved that path for what I feel like. I feel like I'm kind of like part of generation three. Like they were like generation one. And then you had like kind of another wave that when that Mars meteorite, whatever that I can never remember the name of the, all the letters and numbers, HB, blah, 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 blah. Big space rock. You know what I'm talking yeah, the, the rock that maybe had an, uh, um, a fossil in it. I think that that was like generation two that really made everyone go, holy crap. And now like we're part of this generation three where we have missions that are actually going with that intent. Um, you know, Viking obviously did that as well, but it was so inconclusive. I think it discouraged a lot of people. Um, so anyway, before we talk aliens... <laughs> and I want to tell our <laughs> listeners really quick, we were we were discussing the, the the foundation of this episode in our private chat. And Benjamin earlier goes, I don't remember what we're talking about. I know it's carbon, but what are we what are we talking about? And I sent him a gif of an al- a person dressed up in an alien suit and like walking into a diner really late at night. And he's like, oh, the diner that aliens go to at 4 a.m. in the morning. Got it. So I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's pivot. We're going to do that today. Do That's what do we're doing. So we're going to talk about diners and um, which aliens, like which ones in particular. That makes me think of there. I don't know if it's there anymore, but my parents live out in Arizona and they live near Saratoga. Nope, that is New York where I used to live. Uh, Sedona. Sorry, both with S's. Um they live near Sedona, and so Sedona is like known to have vortexes. Um, so, like the ley lines of the Earth cross in spots in Sedona, and the aliens mm. are attracted to this spot. So, there used to be—I know this is gone for sure—but there used to be an alien <laughs> store there, 
and sure. there was a, a rundown ice cream truck that they converted into an alien <laughs> hunting truck. <laughs> and if you paid for the special goggles, you were guaranteed to see an alien, a UFO that night. Okay. So there was that. And then there was a diner that was all alien themed and you walk in and the lights were really red. So then when you would leave you outside, it would be like so green. Um, and then they had like on the diner, uh, um, counter inlaid was like newspaper articles of all these like UFO <laughs> area 51 kind of things. So if there is a diner that would win, that would be the one. <laughs> <All right>. sure. <laughs> this diner you say got sucked into the vortex. Hmm. I don't know if it's still there, but I know that the UFO store did go out of business. Apparently, they just could not sell enough alien tours. I don't know what happened. It seems like a like a shame. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, fun fact. Um, speaking of, okay. of vortices, uh, vortexes, I um, discovered this week, and this connects to what we were talking about before with Carl Sagan, um, that in general relativity, uh, this, bear with me. Um, we use uh, we, we we use these equations to describe space. So space is kind of like wibbly wobbly and curved, and so you can you know model that with different equations that will describe how curved the space is in different ways. So the equation that was uh, I think it's called the Morris Thorn uh, equation for describing a wormhole geometry was written at the request of Carl Sagan for his book really? Contact. Yes, really? because. Yeah, it blew my mind when I found out. Um, supposedly, wow. <laughs> supposedly, uh, you know, Carl Sagan was writing um, Contact and he was looking for a more realistic way um, for his characters to travel through interstellar space. And uh, the wormhole was the idea that they came up with. And so <laughs> two physicists sat down. Uh, I can't remember Morris's first name, but, but Thorne is Kip Thorne, uh, the same guy who wrote the code mm-hmm. for the... Um, interstellar black hole in the movie interstellar um they came up with this equation to describe how a wormhole could form how this kind of uh general relativistic vortex if you will could form and uh contort space in very interesting ways so super cool I love that kind of stuff. That is awesome. That was like an awesome fun fact. We actually need to stop really quick and take our first break, our one and only break, as we're aware of. So if you are listening and you're like, man, there's a long chunk of music, don't worry. Get through the music and we will be right back for a big long chunk of conversation after this. But again, this is the carbon episode. We're going to talk about uh, carbon-based life forms and are there other of those out there I am Space Case Sarah 22 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. And these guys are Fun Fact Science with Kavi, also on all the platforms. Science actually, actually science, depending on which platform you're on. For Benjamin, my space nerds, you are listening to the Space Case Sarah show with Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah Show with Space Nerds Kavi and Benjamin. A little backstory before we talk about what we were just talking about before I said, hold on, let me hit record. Uh, both Benjamin and Kavi come from Jewish, Jewish background. So Kavi was telling me that actually my story about throwing food into the fire is reminiscent to a tradition uh, when bread is baked in Jewish culture to then put throw some bread back into the fire as what, what did you say again, as sort of a, an homage to 
I th- like I think priests. to the to the like the, yeah to the to the high priests of the of the temple. I think it's something that they used to do. You know, this was two thousand years ago when sacrifices meant taking something that you would eat and burning it. And so, mm-hmm. um, as kind of like a a throwback to the high priests of the the temple period. Um, yeah, I remember when like on Fridays my mum would always bake bread, uh, challah bread, uh, for mm-hmm. the Sabbath, and she would take a piece off the corner and throw it in and burn it. Um, so yeah, I so it's interesting how you never heard of that. I love, I love challah so much. Like the thought of someone taking some challah and just throwing it away is just stunning to me. Oh, <laughs> why would you? Oh, no, I love hearing new things about yeah, things that are supremely I, old. I was saying <laughs> I that that actually is sort of my intent of doing that is to somewhat honor and give an homage to the or humans who came before us and harness science, like I said. And I, I actually, the, the, the inspiration behind that came from, there's actually two things I wanted to mention to you guys, and I don't know if you've seen these, um, comes from a show called Origins, which I don't feel like is quite as like, whoa, as like Cosmos or uh, One Strange Rock. Those are kind of my favorite spacey shows. But Origins is really cool in that each episode starts with what they believe is an origin point in human history. So origins being humans figured out how to harness fire. And then through the whole episode, then they take you to at the end point being like, and now we use fire to send people to space. And so each episode has a theme along that, that concept of we started here, let's go through history and look how that's changed over time and how it affects us today. And like the, the medicine one is like super cool because it starts back in, uh, greek or i'm sorry roman gladiator times because there was a doctor and he's sort of what we base the hippocratic oath off of um no that that would be greek what is the roman guy but anyway this roman guy he was a doctor for gladiators and his boss was like really really mean to him and his boss was like you know if you if you that this gladiator dies like that's an investment i lost and that's on you man and so he really went experimental and how he would fix their battle wounds and so he um he would heat up swords and then cauterize you know flesh wounds and he just you know because he had so much at risk and it was sort of like i gotta gotta save this person otherwise i'm gonna lose my head um and so they start with that and then like they go through all of history and time and they they show how nostradamus was like super important during the black plague in helping people right i know and it just i love that show and now I want to watch it. <laughs> but I was going to say, so let's bring it back to space. Let's bring it back to aliens. And well, speaking of Benjamin, origins. You, origins, yes. Benjamin was talking about silicon life forms. And so obviously life as we know it are carbon-based life forms. There is a YouTube series called The Museums of Life. Have you guys seen those? They're very astrobiology themed. Oh my gosh, they're so cool. Okay. So these are like you know, very hypothetical, kind of lofty, but they're like, we're going to look at this museum of alien life. And what we're using is basically the greatest hits, hits of evolution. And what would life look like based on the conditions of a planet out there and like the amount of energy that they get, how far are they from their star, blah, blah, blah. Like Hmm. what would evolve on that planet? It's really cool. And they do explore a little bit of silicon life-based, um, uh, forms and then they also um, entertain even at the end the idea of like well what if um some robots show up 
from another planet is that's obviously a sign of life it's not alive but something Something made it something sent it Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. other robot things yeah it's very it's really cool i'm gonna send you guys the link it's so good good. um but carbon and carbon-based life forms i think i really want to start also this conversation with you guys looking at history and how freaking awesome is it though that we understand the elements and the periodic table and how life builds from a chemical perspective right how cool is that we have this ability to understand ourselves to now be able to broaden it out to well if it if it's here what else is out there right Mm-hmm. It's I, such a short amount of time. It's really, it's really crazy to me to you know stop and and think about the fact that we are a part of the universe that is studying itself, right? Right. Because we're made up of the same building blocks that make up everything else in the universe. You know, like Carl Sagan used to say, we're all stardust. And the fact that you know there's one part of a uh, so a group of atoms that came from a, a exploding supernovae that, you know, ended up as being this rock next to me. And there's other parts of that same star that ended up in me. And I'm studying this rock or I'm, you know, using this piece of the universe to study the universe. It's just, it's kind of mind blowing. It is. It's so amazing how quickly we have come to understand this <laughs> um, i'm sorry i'm laughing at coffee he's coughing while muting his camera <laughs> um but that we understand how to like it kind of goes back to that origins thing i'm talking about how early humans learned how to harness this big scary out of control thing called fire and then use it to our benefit it's so freaking cool and so to understand carbon and i mean I'm thinking of the Bohr's model again, but how, how those outer, outer electrons connect with other electrons. Even though when Bohr even came up with that model, like we had no imaging technology to be able to like prove that. It's amazing. What's crazy to me is that, you know, science, I think Richard Feynman had said that um, we never really know anything. We're just getting better and better at approximating things with our models, uh-huh. right? Like, um, which, which is kind of a bummer as a physicist to realize that physicists don't actually know anything in an objective sense. We're just getting really good at saying approximately what's going on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I love how Bohr's model um, was, you know, incredibly accurate for its time and able to predict um, at kind of what distances, what energy differences um, these electrons would orbit around the nucleus of different atoms. But more so than that, after Bohr, as quantum mechanics developed and these more complex models of uh, that, that are kind of probabilistic, meaning we don't know exactly, it's not like, you know, we, we, we grew up thinking that the model of an electron was like a planet, right? Spinning around mm-hmm. the sun. It's not, it's kind of like a probabilistic distribution of where it might be at any given time. And if you measure it, then you kind of set its place. But that's a whole other episode. The fact that we've like developed these even more complex models and they just get better and better at, at, at approximating um, and correctly predicting the physical nature of, of, of reality. That to me is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. 
So let's mm-hmm. talk about, we, we understand, we understand ourselves a little bit better, right? And, and the, and the chemical molecules that make us. So I think very forward thinking then was people like Frank Drake and Carl Sagan who were like, well, maybe there are other people or things, things out there. Maybe we should send a message, which has always been a controversial kind of thing in its own right. Should we be blasting out like we are here, like the who's on, on the, on the little <laughs> clover in Horton. Here's a who. Should we be doing that? And our first attempt, I mean, outside of basic radio waves and, and like TV shows going out into space, our first real attempt was Arecibo. I am going to, I'm going to target back to Benjamin here because I have, I, do you, okay. I always kind of find the Arecibo message funny when I see it. I feel like it is so Atari dated (laughs) and I'm like, what? Like what, but what can you explain to listeners? What was the point of the Arecibo message? Like what was, what was being con- conveyed in that? The point of the Arecibo message, uh, it's, it was actually the second, uh, message sent to another world, but it was the first, the first one was sent to Venus. So it doesn't really count. Uh, and it was just the Soviet <laughs> union talking about how awesome the Soviet union was. Um, <laughs> But, um, I want to that one. <laughs> it's called the Morse message. It was all in Morse code. Oh, uh, okay. The Arecibo okay. message was sent out to uh, Messier 13. And it was very complex. It was a very, um, you know, here we are kind of message, but also what we are. Um, it, it's a whole bunch of, uh, if, like Sarah said, if you can imagine in the early 80s, 8-bit Atari video game. Uh, there's a big figure in the middle of it, and kind of looks humanoid-ish. Um, but the way Frank Drake formulated the message was actually insanely clever. Um, it's, if you can imagine a very tall uh, table of squares, uh, the length of which are each prime numbers. So it's, it's a prime number width and it's a prime number height. And in it, he set, uh, he wrote, he first thing he wrote was uh, in binary one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So they can give the readers, oh, if there is one, yeah. like a yeah. key. And then the next thing he put down were, um, since we're talking about carbon, he put down uh, the list of all the elements that make us. So he wrote, the uh, element number for all the different elements that are in us. And once he set down that language, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, and so forth, he start, he listed all the different uh, uh, molecules that make us. And then he went further and he listed out all the different, the four different uh, molecules that make uh, DNA. And that all is a big, long column. If you read it from top down, you're slowly learning. This is how we do numbers. These are the elements. We know elements. These are molecules. We know how elements work together. This is us. These are things that make us. And then it gets a little even more nutty. There's a map of our solar system at the bottom. And (laughs) there is a little weird drawing of a supposedly it looks weird i don't buy it but it looks like a giant uh, radio 
telescope pointing up. And uh, it's they did the best they could in the time that they did it with the technology they had, but it was still a very, very uh, poignant message. I think it was, it was very well thought out keeping in uh, um, consideration, you know, everything has to be precise. Everything has to be clear. Everything has every single, uh, you know, positive or negative bit that they send has to have some sort of meaning to it. Otherwise it would just be noise. And so it was was a very, that's like, the ultimate hit send and hopefully you oh, yeah. have a, oh shit i misspelled that and then you're like it's too late it's going across the yeah. universe <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was the only message ever sent out from arecibo everything okay. else arecibo yeah. did was uh receiving mm-hmm. i didn't know that yeah uh that is one of the the grand lasting legacies of arecibo i feel like that it sent that out and then <laughs> And then also, you know, it was in the James Bond movie. I think that's probably the mm-hmm. second biggest thing. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, super, it's it's super cool to understand how, what what was the intent? Because truly, every time I see it, I'm like, it, I, I feel like I can hear 8-bit soundtrack, like playing music to it, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like an Atari thing. And, um, but it, you're so right. It's, it, that is, it is what it is for the time and the technology that they had and, um, it kind of goes back to the point that we, it, you know, I, I always respect chemistry classes that they go over history actually at the beginning because it's so traceable. It's so early really in the scheme of our understanding of science and how we really be able be, be bleh, I can talk really were able to begin to understand chemistry and our, and our place and carbon and, and stuff like that. And so the fact that it didn't take, too much longer for people to be like, well, maybe there's something else out there. And Frank Drake also, in addition to helping conceive the messages of boy, um, Arecibo, he also did Voyager. He helped with the, I think the pioneer plaques as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then um, he also came up with the Drake equation, which mm-hmm. we are hitting a break point. So we will pick this back up about the Drake equation right when we get back. Um, but this is a continuation of, are we alone? Are we the only carbon-based life forms out there? <gasps> Benjamin's shaking his head no. Everybody's saying nope. no. All right, well, we're going to continue the conversation when we get back. We're going to hit a little break quick. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with Benjamin and Kavi here on IROC Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah Show with my space nerds, Benjamin and Kavi. If you listened to last week's episode, you will remember that we have officially started a duel. A duel of who gets back into the studio first. And so I am the one who controls when we start a new recording session. And what happens is the guys get bumped out into a green room and then they have to let themselves back in into the recording studio. And so there is a race now to see who gets back in first. And I am tallying it, and I don't know what the prize is going to be in the end. But someone's gonna, someone's gonna be the champion. I think I said by December we'll tally it up by the end of the year, and the it. winner something something somebody's gonna win something. So unfortunately, I do think Benjamin has a little bit of a of a advantage because he's in the United States with me. It's uh, it's the it's the internet delay, you know. Yeah, information can only a... travel so fast from yeah. Australia. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think it's that's what internet. it is. That's, so that's the guy in Australia. So, 
<laughs> All right, aliens, aliens. So one of the things I think is funny is when we're we're like aliens and life out there. We're just as alien to any life that would be out there too. Um, we are we are also aliens. We're just not aliens to ourselves in this planet. But if there was intelligent life out there, we would be aliens to them. And this is the stuff of science fiction. I think that it's really also very intriguing and telling that so much science fiction has been created around exploring for life and and answering that question if we're alone and one of the things that it's not of science fiction but it, it's i think it's been largely kind of proven to not be super accurate that has been done in the past was frank drake who created an equation to basically say like um oh somebody explained it to me in a way that it's not to give the probability of like what are the odds that there is life out there it's more what are the odds that there is intelligent life and why haven't we touched base with them yet that's what mm. the point of that equation is it's not like plug this no, these numbers in and it'll tell you the, st the statistical odds that we're alone it's more like why are why if if the odds are overwhelmingly in our favor that we are probably not alone why haven't we heard from anybody? Why? <laughs> like, are we in this timeout corner of the universe where, where no one, no one wants to come over to? Or um, it's because of the know, dinosaurs. They misbehaved yeah. and you know now what? we're in timeout. Yeah. Yeah. They came like, over here a few million years ago. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, get killed you, here. Yeah, yeah these I, big feathery lizards. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Who were also made out of carbon, though. So they're yeah, 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 still yeah. just. They were the same stuff, which again, yeah. going back to that one YouTube show that I was telling you about that they, they look at evolutionary hits. And so they look at on earth each time that there is a mass extinction, there are certain things that always come back. And so they're like feathers and eyes and, um, you know, like there's things that just seem to always make a comeback. And, um, that's how they use that, that then to like theoreticize, well, on another planet, if hmm. this planet is this far away from its star they'd have like really big eyes because they need to take it in as much light as they possibly can so it's it's kind of creepy it's cool i i like it but anyway so frank drake comes up with this formula it's been a little bit tossed back and forth as not not super credible anymore but i think it is um a part of his legacy obviously mm -hmm. that he <clears throat> did what so many other physicists and mathematicians tried to do, which is try to give a quantifiable way of predicting something. And the way that this has worked and Kavi, you brought it up in the first segment so perfectly, the way this has worked in the past is like with interstellar where they came up with this idea, this model of what a black hole would look like. And then we finally actually took a picture of it and it looked just like the movie, <laughs> which was wild. Right. Um, so you know, it, 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 it's definitely a part of his legacy. And again, we're doing this in honor of Frank passing. Um, I think it was three days ago, four days ago, he passed away. And uh, I guess the question is, though, why haven't we heard anything back? Why, why haven't, you know, I know that we've only been sending radio signals out for so long, but why haven't we picked anything up? Do we just not have the technology? Like, what do you guys think? Well, my, well, 
empty space. The universe is so much, so full of empty space. And when you finally get to the place where the stars are, um, I'm betting, seeing how with the success of James Webb and other exoplanet hunters, there are so many planets around so many stars. And our star isn't anything spectacular compared to other stars. What would make an alien civilization say, pick that star? And you know what? There's a rock going around it. Not the first <laughs> one. Not the second one. The third one. Go to the third one. Right. Uh, there's life there. It's, there's nothing really fancy. And if you're talking about all of our radio and TV signals that have been going out, um, they've only been going out our planet with some power that could be reach other stars for like the last 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. So we have this little bubble uh, where our signals are going out farther and farther and degrading the further they go. That's about uh, a radius of 50, 60 light years. And that's not a lot compared to the massive size of everything and the space between everything. And so maybe somebody could be cruising through and trying to listen to whatever's on the radio, as it were, as they're going through the, the outback of this random back end part of this spiral arm of this galaxy we're in. But I don't, I don't think it's going right. to really catch on anything. But it's possible. And as Carl Sagan said, because we all love what he says all the time, uh, <laughs> some civilization somewhere had to be first. So it could be us, which would suck because then there's nothing else. But I sincerely doubt that's the case. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just I, the odds are overwhelmingly against it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just based on where we are, based on the perceived timeline of the Big Bang, if the Big Bang, you know, is still a <laughs> model that we can uphold. At this point, thanks James Webb. Um, <laughs> but um, oh. but still, even for as far back as we can see, let's just say that um, we're we're kind of out there in the. So yeah, go ahead, let, go ahead. The let, let me just like, oh, let me <laughs> no, I just I've just been my, myself and a few other astrophysicists who like to communicate science online have been kind of. Um, overwhelmed with the need to push back on people saying that oh james webb has you know disproved the big bang it hasn't and it won't <laughs> everything still points in the direction of the big bang is the best model for understanding how the universe started and expanded and what is driving you know the way that everything works now um the cosmic microwave background radiation that we see in every direction uniformly the fact that we see this expansion happening uniformly and happening at a faster and faster rate further out as we look. And so James Webb is just giving us these insights into, you know, these far reaching corners of the universe that we haven't had before. So don't panic. Uh, everything is fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Big Bang I'm is... Not panic. I'm not panicked. No, it's it's that um, science is doing what it's supposed to do, which is to ask exactly. questions. And it is absolutely okay for something maybe not to be right. And we then yep. reassess the data. And I that's my, I, I love it so much. I mean, it's sort of, it makes me think of, um, you know, the model of how we understand the moon formed. We have a very, very strong leading theory. We just, you know, unless there's some evidence that could suggest something better, that's the best leading theory. If you want to talk about fun theories, have you guys heard of panspermia? 
Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that theory so much. And oh, that is yeah. so in we line with, sorry, I just got really we excited. But that is so <laughs> in line <laughs> with this. Let's talk about Prometheus. Carbon! Carbon! <laughs> Let's talk about panspermia. Let's do it. <laughs> For those at home who don't understand why we're all yelling. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Loud noises! <laughs> panspermia. <laughs> Basically, in the same in the same way that, like, if you if you want to phrase scientific uh, questions in order to answer them, right? So, so like Benjamin was saying, that you kind of have uh, two possibilities: either we're alone in the universe, or we're not. Both equally scary, but it seems more likely, infinitely more likely, that we're not, um, because of the way that life forms, the way that we've seen it form here on Earth in different environments. And so, um, when it comes to the formation of life. There seem to be two main options, and and this is a lot of the work that astrobiologists uh, are doing to figure out that if and when we do discover life on a different planet, uh, or you know even in a different planet and different star system, an exoplanet, it would be to to try to figure out does this life have the same point of origin as our life? Meaning, is it something that was created independently in a different place, which would be mind blowing? Or did it come from the same place as our life came from? And that's the idea of panspermia. It's the idea that you have a single point of origin reaching out through the universe to different rocks orbiting around different stars. And um, there's been some really cool work actually done on the transfer of material between um, the gravitational field of Earth and the gravitational field of Mars. And it's kind of on the scale of millions of years, you have these uh, rocks, asteroids, um, that are, have bits of, you know, the same chemical signatures of Mars somehow ending up on Earth and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is, you know, a, a fact that's been used to prop up or to support uh, evidence of panspermia being a real thing. The idea that, you know, rocks can carry these tiny bits of life throughout the cosmos and Yes. Yeah. And if I can, if I can elaborate on that, so people can get Please. a better visual. Yes. So the the universe, or I'm sorry, our our Milky Way, you know, everything in space is spiraling, right? So we're we're spinning around our sun, and and then our solar system is spinning in the Milky Way, and the Milky Way is spinning. And so the idea is that maybe when we dragged around a certain part of space in all of this rotational motion, that we hit a pocket of something where there was life, which to me is like Pandora's box of, well, then where did that come from? Right. But you know, um, but it's still that it hit that, that little pocket and maybe life got picked up in in Venus and Mars and earth. And, you know, um, and then that the conditions just stuck for earth to continue on that life, but the other planets could not. And I, I think that that is, that it really is actually one of my like, you know, when you see someone model it out and they break it down and they show you how everything is swirling and moving around, and you're like, I do. And then you're like tardy grades and you're like, God, they can live in the vacuum of space. And like, oh, oh, what else could have lived in the vacuum of space? Oh, I love tardy grades, by the way. Like, shout out oh, to so my favorite. The best. Yeah, they're the best. My favorite um, ex- extreme files. So, right. You know, it, it really is. Space is big. I think that, like, if we can summarize this carbon episode, carbon seems to be, like, the, the big hit of evolution and the universe. And speaking yeah. of uh, life on other planets, uh, would now be a good time to do, uh, to, to wrap things up with our yeah. space sound. 
perhaps. Oh, yes, we told oh, we have one about a space sound. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just barreled into this conversation without any uh, <laughs> any too much thought of formalities. We do. We want to do a space sound. Let's do a spacey one. We we have a space sound picked out. And we're going to as we did last time, drop it in and none of us will be able to hear it until post-production. <laughs> but we'll all act as though we're like mesmerized and it's going to be louder than the last time. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm so sorry. I totally, totally plowed through this without thinking about that. So here is a chance to win some swag from iRock. This is kind of a, a trickier sound than the last one, but the last one was tricky because you couldn't hear it at all. <laughs> so <laughs> this one is trickier. But yes, it does pertain to like uh, this this concept of carbon and life and and that's sort of the, the clue, the hint that we're going to give to you. So here is your sound. And if oh you my think that God. you oh my God, you can I say know. that on the air. <sighs> You didn't know that I knew that aliens actually existed this whole time, and they're in the <laughs> diner in Sedona, Arizona. God, plunge. I thought they were in Roswell. No, no, no. I've been to Sedona. Roswell, and they got to some alien. Oh, okay. I'll go. That was also the first place that the little UFO shop, the first place that I saw the Crystal Skull Vodka by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> they were selling it in that shop and this was I'm, I'm telling you this was like 2010 2011 it was a long time ago um now you can see that vodka in, on store shelves anywhere but uh at the time it was like super kind of niche because he's really into aliens dan Aykroyd. he's very uh, into aliens he's very into the uh afterlife yeah. and uh a little little uh He's a, He's a perfect guy to be a Ghostbuster. Let's just He's say that. <laughs> yes. All right. You guys have been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show. We, of course, are very findable on social media. Again, I'm Space Case Sarah, 22, depending on where you are also on the internet. Sometimes I have to slap that 22 on. Sometimes I don't. Um, Benjamin is fun fact. I'm sorry. Actually, science. Science, actually, depending on what platform you are on there. And then we have fun fact science. That represents Kavi, but guess the sound. Just interact with us. We're very needy science communicators who like to talk. So mm-hmm. come find, go, go, go follow our pages and shoot us a message and be like, yo, you nerds. Yeah. Give us some show. online love. We, we yeah, we yeah. love it. And then right. don't forget And if you to figure also- out what that space sound is, tell yes. any of us online tell and us. we'll swag you up. We'll swag you, get you up. So much, you get so yeah. swagged. You're great. <laughs> you get so much swag. That people will be like, do you work for that station? And you'll be like, no, I just want a package. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that also leads me to say that please also go find I Rock Space Radio. And if you find my show's page, I got a couple of co-hosts here who are now officially official of the officials. Officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, bios and pictures are up there too. And that's where you can just click and listen live and hear what's going on. So we... Hope that you will engage with us online. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you all so much. You have been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with these space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin.
a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockspaceRadio.com for more.